Last time, I began a series that will lead up to the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. But in a, for a few messages, I'm building up some foundational things by which we can understand this sermon and we need to understand this sermon, how to live it and what it exactly it means to us. And it begins with the announcement of Jesus that we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. When Jesus, the beginning of his ministry in Galilee, went throughout the whole of the region proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom with words like these. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Or repent and believe. God's kingdom has drawn near. Believe the good news. And last time we talked about the coming of the kingdom, the arrival of the kingdom. Today we're going to look at how you enter the kingdom. What does it mean to be born again? Because this kingdom, you have to be born into it. You can't enter it through natural means. It's not a natural birth. It's a spiritual birth, a supernatural birth. So today I'm talking about the radical transformation that the born again experience brings into your life. Begin by reading Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. And here is the Old Testament background, the prophetic foundation, the promise that God made to Israel of old concerning the rebirth, the new birth, the born again experience that Jesus came to deliver and also spoke about in John chapter 3 in particular. We'll go there in a moment. Ezekiel 36 26 to 27, God speaking, and he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules, my commandments. Now in John's Gospel, chapter 3, we have Jesus speaking about the rebirth, the born-again experience, to a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He came representing the Pharisees. He came secretly by nighttime. He was a bit embarrassed to be seen with such a preacher during daylight hours. And he had a question. He was wanting to inquire more into who Jesus is and what his mission was all about. And he begins by saying, we know that you are from God. 
because no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So far, it all looks promising. A religious man, a man open to new ideas, a man wanting to explore what Jesus' ministry was about. He came representing others on an official mission to inquire. He recognized that there was something special about Jesus, that his power was evident. And knowing the Old Testament scriptures as uh, Nicodemus would have, perhaps not with total fullness of understanding, but he could recognize that something special was here. The signs and wonders that Jesus did were speaking about something more than what was available through simple natural means, a supernatural ministry. Now, you might have expected Jesus to roll out the red carpet, to bring him, sit him down and say, right, okay, yes, let's discuss these things. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus makes a startling statement right in the face of one of the most religious, the most moral, the, the, the kind of example of what it means to be a good, moral, religious person. And he says, Nicodemus, in so many words, we'll read it in a moment, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Let's read his actual words. Verse 5. Sorry, it's uh, verse 3. Rabbi, we know that you're from God. You're doing these signs. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now that word again has a double meaning. It can mean born again or it can mean being born from above. And I think it's meaning both. Unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Heavenly Father, enlighten our hearts and understanding today. Let us see, perhaps in a fresh way, a new way, and for some as never before, what it means to be born again by your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, as I mentioned last time, I talked about the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom has arrived. And those who heard Jesus, who had a bit of understanding of what the kingdom meant, God's rule on earth, would have automatically been puzzled, glad perhaps, but puzzled as how Jesus could announce the kingdom right there and then in that generation. Because for most people, religious people of the day, 
They understood that God's kingdom was something that was going to happen in the future. At the very end, it's called the regeneration of all things, the renewal of all things, the beginning of the new creation, which they were waiting for. But when Jesus says the kingdom has come, he is saying the new creation has begun. And they'd look around and say, well, where is it? Where is it? Jesus on one occasion said, the kingdom of God does not come through outward observation. The kingdom of God is God's spiritual kingdom. It's invisible. It happens, first of all, in people's hearts. And that's a problem that many today have. Think about it. I don't know if you had this thought cross your mind last time when I talked about the coming of the kingdom or even today when I mentioned it again. If the kingdom of God has come, where is it? The wicked go on as usual. Earthly kingdoms come. Cultural shifts happen. Epochs change. Empires come. Empires go as ever it was from the beginning. Where is this kingdom? And that might be a little bit of a credibility gap for people hearing me today who don't understand what the kingdom is or who are not themselves born again believers in Jesus. God's kingdom in the first instance is invisible. It will come in visible form in the new creation, but the gospel is the kingdom has come now in the hearts of people the new creation has begun. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new in your heart. But where is it? Can't see it. You will recall in John's Gospel, as I read it earlier, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom meaning something has to happen in you. There has to be a radical transformation within. There has to be an impartation of new life because until you're born again, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You can't see the revelation of God. You can't understand the things of God. The natural mind cannot receive the things that come from the Holy Spirit. God needs to do something in you first before you see the kingdom and enter, it, enter into it. Yesterday, as we watched, probably all of us, on television, the royal funeral of Prince Philip, we saw a kingdom. Yep, we saw a kingdom. It's an expression of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. We saw a kingdom, we saw majesty expressed in the ceremonial colours and the dignity. Nobody does pageantry, nobody does ceremony better than the British. We saw sovereignty. We saw a monarch. We saw some reflections of the glory of an earthly monarchy 
We could see the kingdom, but the kingdom of God does not come with outward observation because it has nothing to do with a political kingdom, a, a, a royal dynasty. It has nothing to do with anything that we see on this earth. It must come from above. That's why Jesus said, you must be born from above to receive new life from above. And until you do, you can't even see it. As you see, my subtitle is The Born Again Experience. But I want to unpack that just a little bit. Because actually, it doesn't begin with an experience that you and I feel or understand or are conscious of. It comes to that. But it begins with what God does in your heart secretly, even without you knowing it. That's the whole point of what Jesus says. It's, he says, those who are born again, it's like the wind. You don't see it. You can feel it, but you don't see it. You don't really understand the, the wind blows where it wants to blow. You can't control it. Now, Jesus isn't uh, saying that the weather cannot be predicted at all. Uh, sometimes you might think the weather cannot be predicted if you watch the weather forecasts and see that it always work out. But back in ancient times, before they had the luxury and the privilege of modern scientific uh, meteorology, red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's, morn shepherd's warning, I'm sure you've been in different parts of the world, even here in London, but we're not so in touch with our natural environment. But in places I've been in Africa, Australia, go to the real local people. They can tell you when to put your washing out and when to bring it in. They know it's going to rain. They sense it. They smell it. They observe the birds and, 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 and just the direction of the wind. So this isn't talking about inability to predict weather. It's the inability to control it or even to see the wind. You cannot see the wind. But when you're in it, you can feel it. So what do people such as the religious, the atheist, the moral, the immoral, the rich, the poor, the white, the black, the low status, the high status, the young, the old, what do we all have in common? All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's why we all need to be born again. People who are broken need to be born again. The big-headed, the bigoted, need to be born again. The people who religiously claim to be blameless need to be born again. But this born-again experience is such a miracle. I think it is the most extraordinary miracle that we could ever experience. It's on a par with Jesus being raised from the dead and ascended to heaven in glory. That same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead is at work in you if you're born again. 
This born-again experience will soften your heart, your heart of stone that is so hard, so incapable and unwilling to respond to God. This born-again experience has the capacity to heal the most broken-hearted people, broken-hearted of people. It will humble the proud-hearted. It will deal with our self-righteousness and self-reliance and the me, me, me first orientation of our natural condition until we're born again. So this miracle is quite simply the miracle of God supernaturally changing your heart, implanting his new life into your heart so that you can become a child of God, so that you can receive a new nature, so that you can receive a new identity, a new family, born into the kingdom, sons and daughters of the kingdom, born into the family of God, sons and daughters of God, with a direct relationship with Almighty God through faith in Jesus Christ. This change, the revolution within that I'm talking about, is called regeneration. Now, before you back off and say, don't give me theological terms, let me talk to you about the word regeneration. It means simply to, to generate anew, to regenerate, to make anew. Now, we have a lot of regeneration programs in our world today. Urban regeneration, yeah. We have renovation and regeneration of buildings. I want to show you a building. I don't know if you're interested in modern art, but... Tate Modern, which is there on the South Bank, was formerly a power station. Did you know that? Bankside power station. You have the after and the before, the before and after here on the screen. Now, reminds me also of the Musée d'Orsay. Anybody know of that Musée d'Orsay? on the, the banks of the River Seine in Paris. It used to be a railway station. Well, our Museum of Modern Art here used to be a power station. And they were looking for a new site, a site to house a new gallery for modern art. And so they chose this building and they had a lot of restrictions on the building because it was... Uh, under a preservation order. It was a grade two listed building. So they had to retain as much of the original character of the building, especially on the outside. But on the inside, they're able to transform the old turbine hall, 35 meters high, 152 meters long, transform that into a stunning new entrance hall and galleries. 12 million pounds was given as a grant from, wait for it, the English Partnerships Regeneration Agency. So the term regeneration is a common term we use, but it has a very specific meaning in the Bible. 
because the regeneration that God does in your heart is far more radical and all transforming than even Battersea, sorry, not Battersea Power Station, Bankside Power Station transformed into the Tate Modern. So what Jesus says when he announces the kingdom, he says, I'm going to bring you radical transformation, a revolution within in which you will experience now the new creation life. It is an experience, but it begins as a work of God in your heart with which you have nothing to do. You can't make it happen. Regeneration, being born again, is an event that happens to you before it manifests in your experience. Just like a child that is born, that child did nothing to bring itself into the world. That child did not give itself life. That child was generated by the biological life of its parents. And to begin with, the life exists even before it becomes a common experience. When you're born again, God imparts new life deep into your soul. You receive a new nature. This nature, it's miraculous. This is instantaneous and permanent. It's God's impartation of His life into your old nature, totally revolutionizing it. You had nothing to do with your first birth, your natural birth, and you have absolutely nothing to do with your new birth, your spiritual birth. But it is linked to repentance and faith. But until you are born again, as Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom, let alone enter the kingdom. What we're talking about today is absolutely necessary for every person upon this planet, whatever your background, race, religion, whatever, we all need to be born again. And this is the deepest revelation concerning the miracle of salvation. The whole of your Christian life depends on this. In fact, you can't even begin your Christian life until you're born again. So I want to ask you today, are you born again? What does that mean? I'm not saying, are you religious? I'm not saying, do you go to church? No. I'm not even saying that, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? It's more than these things. It comes as a result of having new life within you that goes on to all these things, repentance and faith that are changed life. First, God changes the heart. Then, the life change happens. Now, I'm building up to the, the week when we actually go to Matthew chapter 5, start on the sermon, but I've got to lay this foundation first. Because understanding the Sermon on the Mount is impossible unless you're born again. Still less obeying it, that's even more impossible unless you're born again. 
And Jesus, we could say, is speaking to born-again disciples, born-again believers. He's not talking to the outside crowd. This isn't a message of salvation, how you get saved. Well, my message now is, but Jesus' message in the Sermon on the Mount is to people who have already been saved. This is how you live once you're saved. It's not how you qualify for heaven. This is how you live once you are in the kingdom. So I'm ask, answering the question, how can I enter the kingdom? Answer, quite simply, by being born again. You have to be born into this kingdom. God grants you new life and that brings you into the kingdom. Now, as I say, it's linked to repentance and faith and living out the new life, which is your experience of the kingdom, your experience of the rebirth. But up to this point, it happens deep in your heart. You're not even conscious of it. You, you don't know the exact moment. All you can know is the moment you started to feel its effects in your life. I came to Great Britain 50 years ago, a bit more actually, 1970, 16 years of age. I had some kind of spiritual hunger. I've been brought up at least in the externals of faith. I knew something of the Word of God. Something was at work in my heart, that's for sure. But for about two years, as I lived here in London as a teenager, my focus was on becoming a world-famous big, fat ballet star. Well, I'm big and fat, but not a star. That was my focus. There was something going on inside. My brother had come to Christ, came to visit us, and went to stay with some distant relatives in Cumbria, in near the north of England. It was a Christian family. They began to speak in an extraordinary way. I hadn't heard this kind of language. It was the language of faith and belief. I had vague ideas of who God might be, and I wouldn't have said that I knew him. They took me to a meeting. Dr. Alan Redpath, who was a great evangelical preacher, preached a message on John chapter 5, the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus questioned, do you want to get well? In the authorized version, the language was this, that question which Alan Redpath focused on is, wilt thou be made whole? Those words penetrated. They began to explain them, what it meant to be whole, healed, restored. And he described it and he said, do you know there is only one person who ever lived that was completely whole and his name was Jesus. So when Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He was saying, do you want to be made like me? And something in my heart leapt up. I don't know where it 
came from. No idea that such a thing existed on the inside of me. You see, God's life had recently been implanted and I began to feel it. And my heart went out and said, yes, I want to be like Jesus. Now, I want to say my lifestyle, my way of thinking certainly wasn't like wanting to be like Jesus. But something had happened on the inside which had begun to manifest. The event was becoming an experience. A couple of days later, I made some notes. I said, God has come into my life through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I looked at it and thought, where did that come from? And I read it and I thought, that's exactly what has happened. I had been born again. God renewed my heart. And then the new life began to manifest itself in faith, repentance, confession, transformation. How wonderful. And this is what Jesus is getting at in John chapter 3. And this is what we have to realize before Jesus taught his disciples. He was not just teaching people who were attracted to his message as as one of the crowd. He was talking to those who had been born again, who wanted to be his disciples. And they knew that something had happened to them. If you read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, from verse 17 and onwards, as we looked at last week, there we have the call of Peter, James and John. There we have the record, the summary record of Jesus' preaching tour throughout the whole of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every affliction among the people healing those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those who are pressed by demons, having seizures, the paralytics, and he healed them and great crowds followed him. Now, the close disciples were witnessing the signs of the kingdom, but also were coming under the experience of the power of the kingdom. The manifestations of signs and wonders is not the power of the kingdom. That's the results of the power of the kingdom. They knew that the kingdom of God had come and they were beginning to experience it in their own hearts, experience it in their own lives. You see, Christianity is not just a decision you make. It is a revolution that God starts within you. Being born again is the beginning of that revolution. It's totally supernatural. We've got to get back to this. Spare me a couple of moments while I try to express myself on this. When I say get back to this, I'm not saying we've departed from it, but we could depart from it if we're not careful. Many people have departed from this. They think that being born again is just a style of worship. Being born again is for the right-wing fundamentalist bigoted people living in North America. They don't realize that being born again is the primary need of every human being on this planet. And without being born again, we shall perish in our sins. And it's not just a decision you make, signing on a card or praying a prayer. That can very often be the wife, the work of the midwife in helping you delivering this new life into the kingdom. But it happens as a miracle of God and you can't do it yourself. That's why you've got to say, God, help me. Cause me to be born again. I need you, Jesus. I can't do it. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. 
Being a Christian is not just an association with a church or denomination or a particular religious pattern. It's not even just accepting with your mind certain doctrinal statements. It is a deep miracle of God in which He takes out the old heart, gives you a new heart, and this new heart has changed. It is now no longer inclined away from God and hostile to God. This heart is capable of seeing Jesus, capable of falling in love with Jesus, capable of turning from its sins, putting all faith and trust in Jesus and capable of sustaining whatever comes against it all the way until we are glorified with Jesus in heaven. That's what it means to be born again. Amen and amen. So, how can I be born again? You've just said you can't make it happen, Colin. How can I be born again? Do you know what? I think one of the first things that you need to know is that you can't do it yourself. <laughs> and that's going to that's gonna say something to you. It means it's, it's not now anything that I can manufacture myself. No, it's got to be God. You've got to meet with God. You've got to have an encounter with God. This is supernatural. Every religion that is not based on this manifestation of the kingdom of God in the hearts of people through Jesus Christ is dead religion. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, even religion, flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is new life, born from above. The gift of God. You can't make it happen. But as soon as you realize that, you know what? You're closer to the kingdom of God than you think. Because if you think you can make it happen, you're as far away from the kingdom of God as it gets. Are you with me, people of God? You can't make it happen. But you can cry out to God for it. When you know you can't do it yourself, that's when you turn to God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. That's when you can begin to expose yourself to the Word of God, to the preaching, the teaching, and deep personal reflection. A few years ago, a friend of mine who was a law student Humanist, young man, humanist, agnostic. I sharing the gospel with him. And he said, oh, I, I'm okay with religion. I said, what do you mean you, you're okay with religion? He says, well, you know, when I become a politician, I, I'll use religion because it keeps people happy, keeps people compliant. I'll, I'll, I'll use it, but I don't believe in it. I said, you don't believe in it, but you will use it? Yes. He didn't see what was wrong with that. But what shocked me even more was that he wasn't interested in finding out. I said, the possibility exists that God in Christ visited this planet. The creator of the universe showed up in the person of Jesus Christ, representing the Father in a visible way where he could be touched and handled and he could be heard. 
How the Son of God gave his life on the cross and was raised again from the dead and is now in heaven waiting to intercede for us. The possibility exists that these things are true. He said, well, I suppose so. I said, well, then why don't, why don't you find out? Why don't you look into it? Oh, I'm not interested. Not interested. Is that you today? I'm not interested. So many people are just not interested. You know, not being interested in this is as strong a manifestation of your sinful condition as is being hostile to it. And that's what's happened today. We've got two kinds of people, those who are indifferent. This, this is irrelevant. We're past it. Sad to hear a very well-known BBC uh, personality in commenting on the funeral, said, well, of course, this is religion and we're, we're beyond that. We don't have that. We don't need that anymore. We haven't got that, you know. There he is. Religion is over. My dear friend, 85% of the world believes in some form of religion. You are in the minority. It's growing in this country because there is on the inside of us a deep need to know the God who made us and to know the God who created us, a deep need to be born again. So you examine your heart. Are you disinterested? Why? Doesn't that show you that your heart is dead? Just even logically, the possibility exists that the creator of this universe came into this planet. Wouldn't you want to know about that? Whether you are a scientist or a psychologist or a sociologist, a housewife, whoever you are, a house husband, whoever you are, surely. But the fact that you're disinterested shows that your heart is so hardened, you don't even care. And then there are some people who do care but oppose it. They are so angry. They're so against it. They're doing every, everything they can to destroy it, like Saul of Tarsus, to destroy the faith. Two opposite ends of the same spectrum. But both need to be born again. And both your indifference or your antagonism is a sign that you need a new heart so that you can hear God's word, see the kingdom and choose it for yourself. What about those? Maybe you say, I'm not against it. and I'm not indifferent. I actually want this. I desire it. Well, then you can say, thank you, God, because the Bible says, Jesus said, no man can come to the Son unless the Father draw him. God is at working, drawing you to bring you to the point where he can work a miracle deep down on the inside of you so that very soon you'll be able to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Turn to him with all your heart and follow him as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You can reflect. You can seek it. And also, recognize that it's linked to repentance and faith. Let me talk more, talk more about repentance and faith next time. Remember I said it's an event. God gives you new life. A child is born. What's the first thing that happens? The child cries. If it doesn't cry, you slap it. Some of us have never recovered from that first slap. First there's new life, then the new life manifests. And the first cry of a newborn member of God's kingdom is Abba, Father. It's the cry of faith. 
And Jesus points to that in John's Gospel, chapter 3. So Jesus explains the need to be born again, and then he takes us in the direction of how it happens. Now, first comes new life, then comes faith, and a changed life. We analyze it like that, but actually it's not analyzable. We can't analyze it. We know that there must be new life before we can confess Christ. And whether this happens all at the same time or one after the other, scholars and theologians struggle to understand that, but I don't think we have to fully understand it. We know that if we hear babies cry, that there is new life. Amen? And if that's the first thing the baby does, certainly not going to be the last thing the baby does or the baby does next. We won't go on to right now. And so in John chapter 3, verse 13, it says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. You must be born from above. In other words, Jesus says that in his person, is the gift of life. He descended from heaven. And so this is the key. Jesus is the door. He is the way to life. And he goes on to explain how, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Wow. One of the most famous statements coming up next, God so loved the world. And just here, one of the second most famous statements. And we've got to go back to where Jesus got this story from to give an illustration of his own life and ministry. It goes back to Numbers 21 when the children of Israel had recently come out of Egypt and they were being led by Moses through the wilderness to on the way to the promised land. And in the wilderness, there was no food. There was no water. And, and after a while, they began to grumble and say, why grumble against the Lord and against Moses? Why have you brought us into this desert where we can die here in this desert? No food, no water. And we loathe this worthless food. Manor in the morning, manor at lunchtime, manor in teen time. Anything else, mama? No, just manor. Stop complaining. Manor, 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 manor. And they were so ungrateful, so hard-hearted that God had enough. He said, I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. And he sent venomous snakes right into the camp. People were being bitten, getting sick, whatever the symptoms were paralysis, swelling, inability to breathe. They were dying. And, and they came to Moses and said, pray to the Lord for us that, he, that we can be rescued from this. We're sorry. And God prayed. And Moses prayed to God and said, what should I do? And God said, make a bronze serpent, lift it up on a high pole that anywhere in the camp, anybody can see it. And those who look to that bronze serpent shall look and live. 
That's a, that's a picture of your life and my life. Charles Wesley put it like this, stung by the scorpion's sin. We all have had that poison in our bloodstream that will end in death and eternal separation from God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death and we have been bitten and we are dying. First thing about being born again is to recognize that why you need life. And these people bitten by these snakes we're dying, we're dying, what can we do? Look to, this, to that pole, to the serpent. Jesus has made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is lifted up to die for the sinner's death on the cross. And there you are, you made it so weak that you can't move, you can't speak, you can't ask for help. All you can do is look. But the moment you look, you live. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you looked to the cross? I mean, really looked. Looked as the answer to your need. Transferred your trust from yourself to what Jesus did. It's the look of faith. Amen and amen. Before you're born again, you're totally unable to love God, to delight in God, to desire God. But the hallmark of the new heart is this new desire to get to know God. A new capacity, a new identity, I'm a child of God. A new inclination before you inclined away from God, even to the point of hostility and hatred. Now you incline towards Him. And from that place, now you can choose to put your trust in Jesus. Now you can choose to turn your back on sin. Now you can say yes to Jesus and follow him and become a radical disciple of Jesus. Make no mistake about it. This is a radical regeneration, far more radical than we saw in Tate Britain. On the screen now, we've got another picture before and after. Before and after. Can you tell the difference? Well, the one's slightly sepia in, co in color, so that should give you a clue. But really, you can see something's gone on there, but the outward shape is still the same. There's the same structure, the same steel, the same brickwork, yeah, a lot has changed, but it's basically the same building renovated. The transformation that God brings in your life is far more radical even than this amazing example of the renovation of a building. God does not just repair your life, restore your life, renovate your life, remodel it, redevelop it, reshape it, but give it back to you, your old life, reshaped, rejigged. Oh no. He gives you a totally new life, a total fresh start. He recreates you. It remains you. But the you he recreates is the you he had in mind from the beginning. 
so that your new you is the true you. And you are never the true you, the authentic you, until you are born again and God gives you back who you are, your true you. So this first miracle is that he transforms you from within. That's the event. And then the experience manifests in all the wonderful things that we understand from our Christian life. Repentance, faith, transformation, holiness, joy, obedience, forgiveness. In your natural state, before you are awakened by the Holy Spirit, you were blind to revelation, unaware of spiritual things, unaware of the realm of the Holy Spirit. But when you are born again, you are regenerated from within. You receive a new heart, a new spirit. Do you want it today? You, then you're able to receive the things of the Holy Spirit. You can receive the revelation God gives you. You can receive His plan for your life. You can follow Him and love Him and make Him the object, the primary focus of your life. You can choose to follow Him with your new nature. You're alive to God with your new identity. You are born into the kingdom, the family of God. With your new passion, it's strong enough to drive out all the old passions as you pursue God with all of your heart and you have a whole new capacity which you, of which you are totally incapable before. You can begin to live for the glory and honour of His holy name. That's what it means to be born again. So what does it do for you? Let me summarize. It gives you a completely new start. Oh, do you know what? If I really hadn't had a new start, I would go for it just because of that. But I remember I have a new start. God has given me a new start. God can give you a new start today, a completely new start, better than any other human agency could ever offer to you. God offers you a new start. He makes you completely new. He imparts his life. He regenerates your spirit. You don't become perfect. You certainly don't become divine, receiving a divine nature, but you are given a renewed nature, which is capable of leaning towards God. You still have to choose to be holy. You still have to choose to repent, choose to believe. But now you can. Because... You have received new life. You have been born again, miraculously, by the Holy Spirit. And as this new life manifests, you'll discover many things. You'll discover that there is no brokenness in your life that cannot be healed in the power of the new life. There is no damage that has ever happened to you that cannot be restored in the regeneration. 
No habit that cannot be broken. No habit at all that cannot be broken. There's no sin that you cannot overcome. There's no wrong, negative inclination that you cannot master. There's no suffering or adversity that you cannot endure because you have been regenerated and God's indestructible life is implanted in you. When a new baby is born, there's a whole lot of growing to do. But it all begins the moment that baby is born. I want to pray for you. I want you to begin your new life in Christ. Uh, This is essentially a teaching service, I know that. And every one of us can be, need to be renewed in what it means to be born again. Did you know that that's what makes the difference in your life? That's why you are here today. It is only God's life in you. And you can rejoice. And next time you're struggling, just lean back on that new life and say, God is in me. His life is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let us pray. Everybody praying, everybody praying, all over this place. I want to let you know as we pray, I'm calling you to make a response. You can do it in lots of ways. In other words, you can contact us in the normal way on our email. You can go straight online and you can link with that drop-down part of the website that says the way to God and you can hear more messages there. You can do that. Also, you can go into our welcome room and just say, I've got some questions. Or I want to pray that prayer. I want to become a believer. I want to follow Jesus Christ. And I am praying that God will give us, not just in this church, but all over Britain, a new awakening of the power of God and the born again experience will be experienced by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Not because of what I've said today, but because of what God's Spirit is doing in our nation, beginning in your heart.